You've probably already heard that the global marketplace is dealing with a serious shortage of semiconductor chips. And this is a big problem. The shortage encourages stockpiling, which drives up prices, both for businesses and for consumers of the final product. To get an idea of how the Biden administration is thinking about this issue, as well as what it has to do with China, I spoke with our senior vice president, Jake Parker. From the U.S.-China Business Council in Washington, D.C., I'm Aaron Slauson, and this is the China Business Minute. Hi, Jake. Good to talk to you. Hi, Aaron. It's great to be with you today. How big of a priority is this for the Biden administration? What we're hearing from companies is that the new administration is very serious about addressing the automotive chip shortage. There have been multiple meetings between the National Security Council and members of industry to understand the issue and to seek a solution. Indeed, just this Monday, a group of companies and their CEOs were invited to the White House at a meeting hosted by Brian Deese and Jake Sullivan, the heads of the National Economic Council and National Security Council, respectively, to speak about the semiconductor shortage specifically. This is much more than just a federal government problem, and that's something we have to understand as well. It's a serious political issue impacting governors and local governments as well. The shortage is leading auto companies to move forward with furloughs of workers. They're also cutting hours, and in some cases, even cutting jobs. One company needed to bring down production at one production facility for a period of time, and that of course leads to political consequences for the jobs that are involved. So what caused the shortage in the first place? There are many contributing factors, few of which can be immediately addressed, and few of which relate to China. The first is insufficient demand planning. When COVID began, many semiconductor companies massively cut production, expecting for demand among its customers to drop. Few expected the recovery would happen as quickly as it did, and as a result, some of those demand planning expectations fell far short of expectations. Secondly, we've seen a number of Japan production disruptions. Uh, Fires and earthquakes in Japan in recent months have disrupted fabrication production for a variety of different semiconductors, which is leading to a shortage. Uh, Third, capacity is already on edge in this industry. Uh, The semiconductor industry runs at a very, very high rate of capacity utilization. They don't invest more in boosting production until they're right up on the edge of capacity. When demand signals dropped off in March, many semiconductor manufacturers sought different customers. Uh, This led to agreements with uh, personal electronics manufacturers for some of the contracts that were originally committed to automakers. Next, uh, wafers. It's important to understand some of the technology behind semiconductors. Uh, Automotive semiconductors tend to be a previous generation behind. The wafer that's used to print these semiconductors is larger and a a semiconductor fabricator can only produce one type of wafer on one production line and sometimes those wafers that are are more advanced and smaller uh, are more profitable and and have a different uh, customer base but you can't shift from one type of wafer to another without significant retooling and because many have phased out some of these older generation wafers that go to the automotive sector that is having an impact uh, on the production capacity for those chips. Lastly, stockpiling seems to be a reason as well. Every auto company has been impacted in a different way. Toyota and Hyundai seem to have had fewer issues. Uh, They have publicly indicated that they anticipated some of these challenges and stockpiled chips. Also, in some of our recent U.S. government meetings, companies have noted the unintended consequences of export control actions 
specifically that Huawei and others stockpiled chips that reduced available supply and that that trickled through the larger supply chains. From what you've mentioned so far, I'm not seeing a direct relation to China. Is that correct? That's very perceptive, Aaron. Uh, exactly right. There's very little direct impact that this is having on China. However, the China implications are, are fairly large. And I, I think we can talk a little bit about the White House meeting on Monday to reinforce this point. On Monday, the White House hosted a meeting with senior industry representatives to discuss the shortage of semiconductors and how that was impacting the production of everything from automobiles to personal electronics. It was hosted by Brian Deese and Jake Sullivan, the heads of the National Economic and National Security Councils, respectively. And we know that the groups who were involved shared perspectives on how the U.S. government can support the alleviation of supply chain shortages in the medium term. Uh, as you noted, this issue has almost no direct relation to China, as most of the shortages emanating from Taiwan, TSMC, and Korea, Samsung, and others. Uh, however, in conversations with members who attended, we understand that the competition with China pervaded nearly every aspect of the conversation. Many of the executives framed their remarks in the context of how additional subsidies for industry and developing domestic semiconductor production capacity in the United States would be critical for competing with China. We also understand that President Biden joined at the end of the meeting and the president made two specific points. The first was just a general pitch on, on his infrastructure plan and how it had bipartisan support and was critical to the United States. The second was more China related. In that point, he discussed how there's an international debate ongoing, both domestically and internationally, on whether democracies can effectively compete with autocracies. Are democracies too slow and mired in their own internal divisions to be able to implement these big picture policies going forward? He then noted that the U.S. cannot compete with China if it's unable to pass his infrastructure plan. So again, I think this discussion of semiconductors and infrastructure offers another data point that the U.S.-China relationship is pervading nearly every aspect of both domestic and international policy. Do you see any reasonable solutions, at least in the short term? So there are a couple of solutions that companies are considering. In the short term, this issue is somewhat zero-sum. The f many of the production fabricators, which I mentioned, had phased out some of the automotive wafers because they were lower tech and moved that capacity to a smaller feature size for ele the electronics industry. Producers, in some cases, are stuck. Uh, they have now contracts with both the electronics and the automotive industry. One person described it to me like an airline that has oversold its seats. In other words, auto companies communicated demand signals but have not received what was committed. We do know that there are some, some political solutions in the short term. Governments are getting involved. Uh, the White House is calling foreign semiconductor companies and foreign governments to seek prioritization of automotive chip orders and shift some of the wafers from small feature size back to the automotive wafer size. This is somewhat challenging because it does have political consequences. Some in the US government are making the point that government needs to be sector neutral. In other words, we, we can't rob the electronics industry to give to auto. Some of our automotive companies would, would argue that that's a false analogy, however. Uh, the political pressure is having an impact and leading some to some commercial solutions. Uh, some of the production companies are beginning to hear, uh, are, be, are beginning to expand capacity or productivity. This can be done with an existing footprint by hiring more staff, increasing overtime, building new production processes, um, one company is unwinding its consumer electronics commitments to get back to the autom automotive customers. Uh, ultimately, I think everyone in the industry wants to get back to a point where commitments are fulfilled. Over the medium and long term, 
the resolution is likely more related to investment in domestic U.S. capacity related to President Biden's infrastructure plan, the CHIPS Act, as well as uh, bills like the Endless Frontier, which bring more funding to the United States. The administration is also working on the supply chain executive order, looking at supply chain resiliency. Some of the dates to be aware of there are June 4th, 2021. That's when the initial findings will be published. Then February 24th, 2022, when we should see some supply chain prescriptions designed by the new administration. It seems like a lot of moving parts and a pretty long road ahead, but thank you for taking the time to lay all of that out for us. Oh, it's my pleasure, Aaron. Thanks for for allowing me to join again. The China Business Minute is a production of the U.S.-China Business Council. You can learn more about what we do at uschina.org. If you liked the show, be sure to leave us a rating and review so that other people can find us. Thank you for listening, and we will be back next week.